Uh, we began some weeks ago on a series we're calling Perfection Through Correction. And we see it in the scriptures so clearly the further we go. And it's an exciting thing. It's a wonderful thing, although many have not thought so. <laughs> and that's only because they didn't understand it. But in Philippians 3 and verse 12, Philippians 3:12, Paul says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I, I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Uh, some translators say, instead of apprehend, attained or reached. And you see that later in the same passage here. Verse 13, I, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or to have arrived, we'd probably say today. I don't count myself to have arrived. Arrived at what? Well, he said at perfection. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything you be otherwise minded, God will reveal even this unto you. In other words, he'll correct you. <laughs> if you're thinking wrong about it, he'll show you. So he's talking about perfection and being perfect. And in modern usage of that word, uh, most folks, Christians, have the idea nobody's perfect, and the implication is nobody can be. I mean, that's widely believed. And if that's true, though, how do we understand all these verses? Jesus said, the disciples not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. He also said, be perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. I mean, there's scripture after scripture that talks about being perfect. So do we just tell the Lord, I don't know why you said that, because I know I can't. <laughs> or do we allow him to renew our minds so that we see what he's talking about and think like he thinks? Well, if you look at the scriptures, the word perfect means complete, fully developed and completed, or some places fully grown, fully mature. Ephesians talks about this is why God gave the gifts to men. The apostle, uh, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, for the perfecting of the saints, that we might grow up unto a perfect man. In, like Christ, in Christ. What does that mean? Well, in this life, we're not going to be perfect in the flesh. That's true. We're not going to be perfect in knowledge in this life. That's true. We haven't been and we'll, we won't be perfect in performance. But the Bible said the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth looking to show himself strong and mighty on the behalf of him whose heart is perfect towards him. 
even though your flesh is not perfect, your knowledge is not perfect, your performance is not perfect, your heart can be perfect before the Lord every day and night of your life. In fact, there's no excuse for not having a whole heart, sold out heart we might say, completely, completely committed heart toward God. There's forgiveness for it, but there's no excuse for it. Wholehearted. And so Paul said, I don't count myself to have arrived, but I'm not saying I can't, Mm -hmm. and I'm not looking back. I'm reaching. I'm pressing toward what? What is the mark, the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? It's being just like Jesus. It's what we're called to. Oh, that was a little weak. (laughs) Jesus, yes, that's what we're called to. The Bible said when we see him, we're going to be amazed because we will be like him. Is that right? When the trumpet sounds or you slip out of this body and you go to be with him, one of the things that's going to amaze you is how much like him you are. You've been made in his likeness and in his image. I, you, are born of God. You're a son of God too. Hallelujah. Because, and the Bible goes on to say, as he is, so are we. Now, in this world. Glory to God. So anyway, we are called unto Christ-like perfection. Our our dear brother and elder in the faith, Brother Billy Graham, said this, Being a Christian is more than an instantaneous conversion. It is a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. You believe that or not? Being a a, a Christian is more than you prayed a prayer, you had an experience, you uh, were converted instantaneously, you're born again. That's not the end. You haven't arrived. You've begun. You're born a baby. And the Bible says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. Grow. Thereby. So we're supposed to grow and develop. Grow into what? Develop into what? There's only one example you should set that you look for and go for. If there are men and women that you hold in high esteem and think, well, I want to be like them. I, I want them to be my example. It's because to some degree they're like him. But get your eyes off of them and go ahead and take it on up to thee. The exact, come on, the example, the example, because that's what the scripture says we're called to. Christ-like perfection. Don't say it's not possible. Say with God, all things are possible. And to him that believes, all things are possible. Think of the prayer that Jesus prayed, that they may be one, even as I, Father, and, and you, you and I are one. You might look at us and think, 
There ain't no way that's ever going to happen. That all of us, all the splintered factions and denominations and groups in the church and body of Christ will ever be one. Ah, don't hold your breath and say it ain't so. It's coming to pass. How many believe the prayer of the master will be answered and fulfilled and there's coming a day that we will be one. Hallelujah. As the Father and the Son are one. Now that's some kind of oneness. We will be one. Glory to God. Well, if that's true, you being just like the Christ, it can happen too. Hallelujah. Well, in, go to Hebrews with me, please, the 12th chapter. What we see is that our righteousness is perfect because it's His righteousness. But our faith has not reached its ultimate development. Our faith needs to be perfected. And who better to help us perfect it than the faith master? Right? In Hebrews 12 and 1, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, this refers to all those that he had just told us about in chapter 11. The great heroes, hall of fame of faith, all those people who are now out of this world, who've had, they've run their race, they've, uh, they've lived their life walking with God, and now you and I are up. Hmm? <laughs> it's, it's our turn. And this thing is going by so fast, I'm telling you, the Bible said our life is like a vapor. That now you see it, now you don't. And so all of them, all these previous generations of those that had faith in God are over there. And we are compassed about with this great cloud of witnesses. Uh, I, sometimes, I, you've heard me say this, I can almost hear Paul uh, author, you know, pen, who penned these things that God used, the apostle, saying to me, Keith, if I'd have had a jet and the internet, get to it, boy, get, get. You don't have much time. Get to it. Do everything you can with everything you can. Should all of us feel this way? Especially, I think one of the reasons the Lord has given us the tools is because things are so late. And time is running out. We, the, these tools like the internet, these tools, uh, computers, and, and the way we can travel, all of these things go together for us to accomplish more. How many believe if, if they said uh, centuries ago the time was short, then what is it now? We're, we're, it's even shorter. And so uh, he said, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, or as many of your translations say, perfecter, perfecter of our faith. And that's also a good definition for, for the Bible word uh, perfect, is finish. If it was perfected, it was finished. It was completed. You got all the way. If it's a child that, that grew up to a perfect man or woman, they grew all the way up. They came all the way. 
Well, he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter, actually it just says, of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the faith master. Did he please God perfectly? In his life, in, at the cross, in his death, and in the resurrection. Did he please the Father perfectly? It is impossible to please the Father without faith. So how did Jesus do it? He did every bit of it by faith. He went to the cross by faith. He died by faith, believing for resurrection. He took all of our sins by faith. He allowed judgment to come on him. He did all this by faith. You talk about faith. This is faith at the ultimate level. And now we're told that the faith master will help us develop our faith. (laughs) And like we said, we should be his disciple like a martial arts master and disciple. We are his grasshopper. Uh Paul said, I haven't arrived at the 10th degree black belt faith, but I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. Where where yet? I'm somewhere. I'm I'm a green belt. I'm a brown belt, but but I'm not stopping. Who's the master? Jesus. Jesus is the master. Nobody ever did faith better than Jesus. But do you and I need to just sit and say, well, I'm just a man, I'm just, I'm, I'm imperfect and I know I'm going to come short, but that's, you know, I'm just a man. No, you're a child of God. And you are to be training with the master, letting him train you every day, showing you, no, not that way, this way. No, not that, do this, right? Training us every day and we're never no one is going to rise above the master but Jesus said everyone that is perfected will be as the master now that's some kind of a statement we can walk in faith like the master did pray in faith like he did preach and teach in faith like he did it's closer than we think I said it's closer than we think That's why he gave us the marvelous Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that was on him, anointing him to do these things, he has put on us. And he said, if you believe in me, how many believe in him? If you believe in me, the works I do, you'll do also. Did he say it or not? Well, how in the world are you going to do the works he did? Not as a Defeated man? Oh, but if he'd anoint you with that same spirit and show you how to walk by faith like he did, you see the glorious possibility to walk even as he walked. (laughs) Everybody said out loud, Jesus, Jesus, you are my master. I am your disciple. I am ready every day day. for you to teach me, to train me, to 
to correct me, rebuke me if I need it. I'm your disciple. I am yours to train in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You mean that? Let it be a living reality with you. And me, every time we open our eyes in the morning till we go to bed, every waking moment, being aware of our master, teaching us, training us, and yes, correcting us throughout the day. Keep reading. What was that, verse 3? Verse 4, keep reading. You've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Let's keep reading for the next few verses. And, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not uh, the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Now let's just stop. Has he changed subjects here? No. no. What's he talking about? He was talking about faith. He was talking about running your faith race, having your faith perfected. And now he's talking about being corrected. You see where I got that title? <laughs> What's that got to do with it? Well, how's he going to teach us and train us? How's our faith going to be perfected? Well, it's going to involve some correction. And the thing he warns us about, when you are corrected, don't faint. Why would he say that? Oh, you don't have to look around very much. Mm-hmm. Being corrected is one of the most unpopular things anywhere. But it's because of ignorance. You go to correct someone. And many, many times people have said, what? You're correcting me? Well, you imagine you've already arrived at Christ-like perfection and don't need any correction. <laughs> We shouldn't be shocked when we're corrected. Right. We should be expecting some. We should be expecting some. Yeah. Yeah. And we should be thankful for it yeah. because the master said, as many as I love, I chasten, yeah. I correct. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about God being love. But then almost no talk about how that he corrects you right. if he loves you. There's no such thing as God loving you and you not being corrected. That's what the rest of this passage says. You're illegitimate. If you're, you know, say you don't ever get any correction. Parents who love their children correct their children. Not trying to be mean, not trying to play superior. It's for their protection. It's for their benefit. And sometimes you need to grab their hand and say, no, no, no. You don't play in the street. Huh? That's not being cruel. That's not trying to lord it over you. No, no, no. Boom, a truck comes by. No. It's love. Oh, somebody say love. love. Corrects. He said, so, so what are we, what's our part of this? Don't despise the correction. Hmm? When you're corrected, what do you do? <laughs> it's a little weak. <laughs> One reason I bring these things up is because I was in martial arts 
uh, pretty heavily for, for a number of years. Uh, my dad put me in a school of martial arts when I was 10 years old. And I was in there throughout my whole growing up. And uh, old school, no pads, concrete floors. And uh, the, the, some of the instructors, uh, you know, they'd show you two or three times. And then if you weren't paying attention, next thing you might just feel your legs swept out from under you. And you'd bounce off the floor. And the correct response was, thank you, sir. Why? I wasn't getting it through normal communication. <laughs> so you are helping me out here to pay attention. <laughs> I don't know guys in the military, well, you know, that's, you, you understand that. So, um, and, and he goes on to say, not everybody who was in charge and training did it the right way. They did it the way they thought it should be done. They could have been wrong. But God's correction is always right, right. and for our best yeah. good. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's coming from love. That's right. That's right. So what are we going to do? We're not going to faint nope. when we are, not, not if, <laughs> when. <laughs> when we are rebuked of him. Keep reading, keep reading. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Yeah. True or not? Yeah. And he scourges. Some of the uh, rowdy ones, every son. There's no such thing as a child who never needs any correction. Hmm? You say, well, mine's never needed. Well, I can tell you they're unruly, disrespectful, without even hearing anything. They've never had any correction. No such thing as a child or an adult who never needs any correction. Scourges, that's, that's punishment. Every son whom he receives. Keep going. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? Keep reading. If you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers. How many? How many? All. all. Can you hear these words? Everybody. Everyone. All. Then are you, most translations say, illegitimate and not sons. Keep going. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. We gave them reverence and respect. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? It's for our good so we can live and not die, flourish and not be destroyed. Verse 10, for verily for a few days they chastened us after their own pleasure, but, we, but he for profit that we might be partakers of his Holiness. Can you see? This is talking about getting us just like Him. Yes. Partakers of His holiness. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Corinthians talks about perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. This describes our development in growing up in Christ, becoming just like the Christ. Now back up to the first part of this passage, please. And notice this. He said, verse, uh, verse 1, Seeing we're compassed about with this great cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Let us do what? What's our part of this? We already see that we are to not despise it when he corrects us. But he started off with saying, We are to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. These are things that either slow us down, impede us, hinder us, or could possibly stop us yes. from running our faith, running and finishing our faith race yes. 
and from growing up and developing, perfecting our faith. Weights and sins. He mentions two categories of things. Everybody say weights and sins. Now who's going to lay these things aside? So you can't say, well, God, you know, you know, make, take these away from me. Uh, well, he said, you got to do something. He will help you do it, but he's not going to do it for you. You have to make up, you got to give him something to work with. Right? Laying aside every weight and every sin. Now the, the effect of the, sin, the weights and sins is weariness. And the uh, intent of the enemy is that you and I become so weary that we faint. Isn't that in this passage? All of that's in this passage. What does weariness and fainting sound like, look like? Let me describe it to you. Don't despise the correction. Don't faint. Well, what would it sound like if you are despising the correction and you are fainting? Here's some of the phrases you'll hear. I can't ever do anything right. You just got corrected. Instead of responding and receiving it, everything I do is wrong. I can't please them. Have you ever, don't, don't, don't raise your hand, about, but just nod knowingly. Have you ever heard these kind of things people say? What do you want from me? Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Never say such a stupid thing again. I said never say such a stupid thing again. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Never say such a stupid thing again. Yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, it's possible you could make mistakes. But do you want to confess and prophesy? I make mistakes. No, you don't. No, you don't. Stupid. No. You want to say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. God is working in me to will and to do of all his good pleasure. He's filling me with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He is perfecting that which concerns me and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You need to say that if you just messed up big time. You need to say it right then. But if you say, what do they want from me? They're continually correcting me. Usually that's a lie. Usually that's a lie. They corrected you about something 10 years ago or two years ago. And the reason you keep hearing about it is because you've never corrected it. If you'd have corrected it, you wouldn't have heard about it those other 34 times. So whose fault is it you're frustrated? That was worth you washing your face and coming to church. Right there. Is it true or not? Is it true or not? And if you don't correct things, then they accumulate. They pile up. 
So here's something else that you need to correct. And you just got through hearing about these other 14 things that you should have corrected two years ago, six months ago, five years ago, 15 years ago. And now it just seems overwhelming. It's like I'm being corrected all the time. Well, it's, you're not receiving correction and you're refusing to make any corrections. And what happens is it is, it is weighing you down, it is wearing you out and you wanna quit. You think, well, forget this. I can't please them anyway. Lies. I can't do anything right. Lies. They're never happy with anything I do. Lies. Lies. You know it's not true. Lies, lies, lies. But that's what being weary and fainting sounds like. And many, millions have done this and they've quit their marriages. They've quit their jobs. They've quit their ministries. They've quit pastoring. Why? I can't do anything to please those people. Hmm? Pour my heart out. Pray and study night and day. Do everything I can for them. And then they leave the church. And they want this. And they want that. And they want the other. It's always something. See, if I start talking like that, the enemy might not happen in a week or two, but he could get me to the place where I'm thinking about quitting. Hmm? What do I want to put up with that for? And that, at that point, I'd be deceived. Because the truth is, I've been greatly honored. I've been greatly privileged to be able to do this. Well, you've been greatly privileged the places you have and the things you can do. You should know you haven't arrived at Christ-like perfection. You should know you need a steady stream of instruction and at least occasional correction. Right? And if you refuse it and you reject it, then you will grow weary and you will faint and you can waste your precious time that you have down here. You can, go, you can get bitter. The, the rest of this chapter talks about being bitter. And it talks about failing of the grace of God. How do you fail of the grace of God? Exactly what we're talking about. You, refuse, you reject instruction. You refuse correction. You're hard-headed. You're stubborn. And so it bugs you year after year because you never straighten it out. And finally, you get so fed up with it, you quit. And you fail. There was grace that was supposed to help you do that and help you overcome that and help you grow up far beyond that. But you fail of that grace and don't flow in it because you quit. You quit. Somebody say, by the grace of God. By the grace of God. I won't quit. I won't be rebellious. With the Lord's help, I will be teachable. I will be correctable. Hallelujah. And I won't fail of the grace of God. Hallelujah. Friend, I believe this is much more than, than me, Keith Moore, talking here today. Are we reading scriptures? I believe this is the direction of the Holy Spirit for our churches and for our people. Everybody watching online, I believe this is a word in season. This is a timely message. Yes. 
And for those that have messed up, you can get back in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And for those that some things are coming up and you're about to get some correction, and it's because God is endeavoring to qualify you for a much greater place. But in order to have it, you got to pass tests. And it's not about being sick and being broke. It's about being willing to submit. Oh, I know it's a word disliked by the world, but it's a Bible word. Willing to submit to the will of God. Did Jesus submit to the Father every day of his life? You say, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Did he completely submit his will? The Bible said, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. Talking about submitting. What caused him to sweat blood in the garden praying? What was the big deal? It's what it's, Hebrews 12 just talked about it. You haven't resisted to the point of blood. What was that? What was the prayer? Not my will, but your will be done. That's what was going on. Nobody said it was all easy. Nobody said it was all fun. But, oh, the result of it is glory, hallelujah, and joy and fruit and reaching the fullness of what God called you to be. Does that sound good to anybody? Reaching, developing and reaching the fullness, the full measure of what God called you to be. Mm, mm, mm. Somebody say, so be it, so be it, so be it. Go with me to 1 Samuel 17, please. 1 Samuel 17. What did he tell us to do? Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset. Run with patience your race. Don't despise the Lord's chastening and and correction, even rebuke. And don't faint. Don't give up and quit. Uh, There's a lot of folks that have been really discouraged, is the word. Really discouraged, hurt, angry, bitter. And uh, it's been that way for a long time. And it's only gotten worse and worse. And the reason is, just being hard-headed. Just refusing to receive correction. Refusing to make the changes. And the good news is that can change so quickly. Yes. I'm telling you, you humble yourself, repent and make the change and be willing and do it. Your life can be radically different by the end of next week. Yes. Are y'all listening? Yes, it can be different today, but I mean your whole life. Yes. Your outlook on life, yes. everything, yes. that depression that heaviness can come right off of you. And I mean the grass will be greener, the sky will be bluer, the birds singing will be prettier. And people that you've been separated from, you can be restored. Things can be fixed. But you've got to be willing to repent. You've got to be willing to be corrected. Not argue. Not try to explain everything. Not make a hundred excuses. Nope. <laughs> Let me give you a little example. I was wrong. I'm sorry. 
I repent. I will do it differently. Yes. That's it. There you go. <laughs> Let's practice that. <laughs> May have been a long time since somebody said, <laughs> I was wrong. I'm sorry. I repent. I will do differently. <laughs> you ought to say it again. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I repent. I will do differently. I can almost hear some of Well, I, I don't think it's right to say I'm sorry. Read 2 Corinthians carefully. There is a godly sorrow that works repentance different from the sorrow of the world that works death. If you don't care, if you're unmoved by it, you're probably not repenting. Repent means change. And it means more than changing your mind. It means changing your life, changing your heart, changing your actions, changing. Hmm? Is that okay, saints? Did you find 1 Samuel 17? We're supposed to lay aside every weight and the sin. Here's a good example of this. Uh, 1 Samuel 17 is the great story of David and Goliath. Uh, how that he came as a, a young man, we might say a, a boy, to uh, check on his brothers in the military and bring them some cheese. Everybody likes some good cheese. <laughs> in those days, cheese was a snack too. It was like, you know, you couldn't run around the corner and get a Butterfinger or something like that. What'd you get? Get a good piece of cheese. You were, you were happening. And uh, so he brought him some fresh cheese and maybe some bread and checking on things. And Goliath comes out there and boasts and he'll take on anybody. And, and ain't no need in all this fighting. Just come out here and we'll just do it man to man. You kill me, y'all win. I kill you, we win. Got any men out there? So he yelled and he screamed. And he talked about their mothers. <laughs> and he called them yeller. He did. He mocked them. He mocked God. This went on day after day. But this boy is so big and so bad, nobody straightened him out. Nobody. They hid. This guy, we, we figured he must be, you know, eight, nine feet. Could be 500 pounds. He's a big boy. He's, he's killed people all his life. He's been a soldier all his life. He's a killing machine. And David comes out there. He sees this and he says, what? What? Somebody take care of this fool. <laughs> and his brothers grabbed him and said, boy, shut up. Where's the sheep at? What you doing over here? I brought the cheese. You want some cheese? <laughs> he said, you shut up and you sit back. This is for men. 
Well, he heard it again, heard it again. He said, well, if it's for men, where's the men? Where's the men? Somebody ought to take care of this loudmouth, blaspheming, uncircumcised Philistine. He said, shh, he may hear you. Hush, hush. I said. And finally, he said, I'll do it. Teenager. I'll do it. I will. Y'all won't do it. I will do it. Oh, man, his brothers came down on him. But somebody overheard him. And he, there must have been something in the way he said it. There must, there must, there was, there was faith in it. Because the people that heard it thought, really? And it convinced somebody so much, they took him to the king. He said, tell him what you told us. He said, I will go and fight this uncircumcised Philistine. Then he explained why. He said, I'm out in the wilderness all the time. I watch over daddy's sheep. And one time, a bear came to get one of my sheep. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't get one of my sheep. And I came at him and said, you get out of here, get out of here. And he ran up and he's going to eat me instead. And God helped me and I killed that bear. I took him out. It was another time, a lion came. Won't take one of my sheep. I said, no, you don't, not my sheep. <laughs> and when I went to drive him away, he reared up against me to attack me, and I grabbed him by his beard, and I gutted him. So <laughs> 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 you tell all your friends, you don't mess with David's sheep. <laughs> you other lions out there, you see that? Tell everybody. He said, the Lord helped me kill that lion. The Lord helped me kill that bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. He'll be dead like that bear before sundown. There must have been, there was something in his voice, in the way he told those stories, that the king is sitting there. And the king's a big man. He's a bigger man than most everybody. Head and shoulders taller than everybody else. And here's this strapping teenager. Nobody will go meet this Goliath. And he sits there and hears this and goes, you know, I think you might, maybe could. <laughs> so they agreed to let him go and send him. He said, but I got to do something. I, I put my armor on you. I'll help you out. I got the best armor. He's a king. So this is a complete Jewish Bible. Verse 38. Saul dressed David in his own armor. It's a complete Jewish Bible, 1 Samuel 17, 38. And he put a bronze helmet on his head and he gave him armor plate to wear. Now this is before the days of aluminum. <laughs> this stuff is heavy. So they put it on him. And David buckled his sword on his armor and tried to walk. But he wasn't used to such equipment. What did he have? He had weights on him. Oh, come on, can you see this? This thing, he had faith in his heart. 
and he's wanting to race out there and take care of business. Yes. Hmm? He's got faith. His faith has developed while he's been there in the wilderness. And his faith has got to the place where he believes God could, could give him victory, even though it seems impossible. The best warriors in the army are shaking in their boots. Yet this boy believes God would help him to do this. And well-meaning people put stuff on him. You need, you need this. Exactly. You need this. And you need this helmet right here. And he's going, mm. bronze, bronze. A whole helmet made out of bronze. How much do you think that thing weighs? A coat of mail. Put it on him. He's not a full grown man. And you need this sword. Big old sword belted it on him. He's dragging the sword. And thank God, by the grace of God, he realized, I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I, don't, I don't know this. I've never used this. I'm not used to this. This is not me. This is something somebody else put on me. This is not me. This is something I let I let other people tell me, you need this, and you need that, and you need to do this, and you need to be like that, until you can't run your race. You don't have the mobility. You are weighed down. You are restricted, inhibited, hindered, because all of the stuff you let be put on you. What David do? Come on, help me out. Look at look at the last phrase. So David took them off. What did he do? He laid them aside. He laid them aside. Oh, somebody help me preach this. He laid them aside. He laid them aside. He got it off of him. Oh, hallelujah. If he'd have listened to them, he'd have went out there with it on. He had to make the decision. This is weighing me down. This is not helping me. This is slowing me down. This is holding me up. This is hindering me. You've got to know in your own heart about yourself, what fits you, what doesn't fit you. Hmm? This thing that I'm doing, this thing that I'm involved in, is it helping me or is it loading me up? Is it freeing me up, building me up, or is it weighing me down, holding me back? Every, we, we need to examine everything in our lives. Hmm? Come on, pray the prayer with me right now. Father God, open my eyes to see everything in my life. That is not you, that is a weight, that is a sin, anything, everything that's been hindering me, holding me back, slowing me down, and by your grace, 
grant me grace to identify it and lay it aside so I can run my race in full liberty in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 He said, all I need is five smooth stones and my sling. That's what, why? Because he wasn't counting on equipment. He's counting on God. He don't need all that coat of mail because he's not even going to get close to him anyway. He's not going to need a sword. Turns out he used Goliath's sword. Is that right? All the stuff people say you need. All the stuff people say you have to do. Everybody has to do it this way. Don't override your heart. I said, don't override your heart. Let the Lord show you. One of the things the Bible says, heavier, let me read it to you so I get it right. He said in, in Proverbs 27, 3, Proverbs 27, 3, put it up on the screen in the Young's literal translation if you got it. 27, 3, Proverbs. A stone is heavy and the sand is heavy. The anger of a fool is heavier than they both. One thing that'll hold you down, anger. Anger will weigh you down worse than that bronze helmet. Bitterness, unforgiveness will, will, will load you up and weigh you down. Worry, anxiety, fear, these things are heavier than sand. This anger and bitterness is heavier than a rock. That's why the Lord said, cast all your care. Cast it all over on me. Forgive. Release. Hallelujah. We started talking Friday night. Rejoice. Be joy. Why? That's your strength. Can you see what God's doing for us? Man, he is helping us getting us loose, getting us free, getting us built up, getting our faith perfected, giving us everything we need in the natural to do our job. We're going to do this thing. I said we're going to do this thing. We're going to run our race and finish our course. Stand up and praise the Lord. Stand up and praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Woo. My, 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 my. Oh, just lift your hands and praise God some more. Lord, we worship you. Thank you for your good word. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for light and truth. Thank you for the anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.